You know what? You are the only person you are guaranteed to spend the rest of your life with. So, we want you to feel at home with yourself. To have an understanding of what being human truly means. And to be a witness to the things that are happening within you. We're here for the good. The bad. And the downright ugly. <laughs> so, come on this journey. And be messy with us. You are listening to The Real Meaning of Humanity with Alexis. That's my name. And you're Krista. Yeah, that's me. Okay. Do you want me to start? Yep. Go for it. Should we address the elephant in the room? Yeah. Elephant in the closet? (laughs) Yes. Address the elephant in the closet. We're sorry, guys, that we haven't been doing episodes in the past. I think our last one was like mid-March. So it's been like a month and a half. Yeah. It's been a while. I've had several people reach out. They're like, hey, are you and Alexis still doing the podcast? And I'm like, hey, are y'all okay? Yeah. I'm like, yes, we we are. We're still doing the podcast. We're just taking a little hiatus. Yeah. break. Well, and to be completely transparent with you, I feel like a lot has been going on in our lives Mm -hmm. the past few months, I think for me. Yeah. And I think health problems came up with Mm -hmm. us and we just really overwhelmed with our emotions and we just felt like we had to take some to get connected to our hearts and just kind of leave some time for ourselves. Yeah. We had to, we had to give up the wanting to uh, make sure we have an episode out every single week in order to listen to what we kind of needed in the moment. But we are back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we don't want to ever perform for y'all because we've talked about that in so many episodes, mm-hmm. the mass, the performance. Um, we just want to be authentically ourselves. So we just needed some time. And um, I'm very, very excited for this episode because we have a special guest. And what she's going to be talking about is something that I have experienced and probably most of our audience have for sure. Because if you're a human, you definitely experience it. Being in survival mode and how to get back into that safe mode and having that struggle and that fight of like, oh my God, I feel like I'm drowning. Please, someone save me. Yeah. Like <laughs> I've, and I felt like I've felt that way for the past few months in my life just with so much that is going on and so much has come up to the surface and sometimes this healing journey does come in waves like that and um this guest that we have on I actually met her in the coach launch program that where I got certified to be a life coach y'all already know about that so when she came on at the very beginning of it she wrecked my whole healing journey in a way that um, really just like blew my mind. She put so much, um, the verbiage that she used just put so much back into alignment for me that it just changed my whole approach on even how I meet my needs and meet what my heart needs in that moment. And I just know that she's going to bless y'all. So without further ado, this is a long intro, but <laughs> Courtney Lancaster, we are so glad that you are here. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're just so honored that you are here. And I mm-hmm. just feel like just you and what you've said about survival mode and how you put, and I've told you this before we started, she put so much compassion and understanding instead of shame and spiraling and self-judgment whenever you just don't know what to do. You don't know what next, you don't know what's Mm -hmm. next. And honestly, some people don't know how to do heart encounters and we've done that a lot. Mm -hmm. And you're familiar with that. And they're just like, well, I don't know. I feel like I am 
becoming my emotions, but I know you've said you don't become your emotion emotions. It's like coming to a little kid. And so mm-hmm. that, that really helped me. So mm-hmm. yeah, we don't want to become our emotions. We want to uh, be with our emotions. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference there when we're, when we're in that place. So, well, thank you for having me. I am so glad to be here. I was, you know, usually when I'm asked to speak or I'm invited onto a podcast, it is talking about the nervous system. And there are like real experts and teachers that have, you know, written books and gotten their <laughs> degrees in this subject. And I have had a lot of teaching and a lot of training. Most of what I have really embodied about the nervous system in information is because I've experienced the power of understanding it for yes. for healing. So uh, yeah, it's impacted my life as much as it has yours. Well, yeah. And I think that's the key, especially what I've experienced is like when I understand myself, when I understand my emotions and why I'm reacting in the way that I am, it's much, it's much easier to communicate it, but also to meet what I need in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And for some people, like, like you said, like there's all these doctors and educations and like, mm-hmm. um, uh, degrees, people who go to college for eight years. But I think for someone like you, you've just experienced from, from other human beings and you experienced it for yourself and Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be dismissed either. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that's crazy to me is I'm a, I'm a teacher. And so I'm thinking about how, like we, you know, you learn all these things whenever you're in school, but like, you don't learn about like this kind of stuff, like actually mm-hmm. how your body works and how your emotions work. Um, and so I am excited to hear it because I know that it's going to completely change the way that I look at things. Oh yeah. Audience. Mm. I didn't tell um, Krista anything about what Courtney talks about yeah. because I wanted her to like live through it for the first time. Like I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I can deliver the same way. I heard somebody say, well, like what you guys are saying is so true. Like experience speaks so loudly. I know plenty of therapists that have never had a panic attack. I remember one of my Mm -hmm. friends, we were talking about like our own healing journeys and she's like, at this point in my life, I don't even trust anyone who hasn't had a panic attack. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, I get that. I, I totally, it's not (laughs) necessary for being a healthy human or having a story, but I understood what she was saying where, you know, getting a degree in something means you're a good student. It doesn't mean that you have experienced and know how to walk other people through what you've gone through. So, yeah, I've always said, like, I don't trust anybody who hasn't failed so many times or hit rock bottom. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Because you can know, like, knowledge is power. I like, I don't want to like dismiss that either. But also Mm -hmm. I feel like the whole point or part of it like the healing journey is getting your logic and emotions into alignment and getting mm-hmm. it balanced that's just mm-hmm. how I feel and see it totally yeah absolutely well where would you like me to start what's your first well okay let's just go off of like even what I said in the beginning of this podcast like I've been in survival mode this past yeah. few months and I know yeah. with some people like, I don't want to feel like the only one, but other people who are listening, like they probably been in survival mode too. And I feel like, Mm -hmm. I feel like the past couple years, I really know how to keep myself safe when my life is chaotic. Okay. Mm. But now I feel like I'm stuck and I feel like in survival mode and I feel like I'm constantly fighting with everybody in my life, except for Krista. (laughs) 
we've done plenty of that. <laughs> yeah, we've done plenty of it for 10 years. Now we're good. Um, but yeah. I feel like, you know, for people who are stuck in survival mode and now they're seeing it, the chaos inside their mind and in their hearts being chaotic and being poured out into their relationships and like there's no rest, like what do you do? Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, I would say for a lot of people who have been on their on their healing journey and been kind of trying to understand the just the realm of emotional health, when things start to get really tricky and really hard, in my experience working with clients, that's not actually the setback that they think it is. Normally, you've kind of graduated to the level of where you're actually dealing with the chaos that's in your body. So I don't know. I Maybe something for you to think about is that, you know, it potentially could be that there's a new layer that's come up that you are actually ready to face and not necessarily that you're worse than before or stuck. So well, I will share the context that I shared with you in the coach launch, which is yeah. understanding the nervous system. Okay. So Chris, did you know anything about the nervous system? Like any context? Actually, all I've heard is parasympathetic. Parasympathetic. And just because she said those two words, that's it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) The neurological pathways, is that like the same thing or no? Mm, It's kind of related. So, okay, Okay. we'll start here. Everybody has in the back of their brainstem something called neuroception. So that part of your brain is constantly scanning your environment for safe or dangerous. Anything that's in your environment, they're trying to... That part of your brain is trying to decide, is that thing safe or is that thing dangerous? The How your brain knows what is safe or dangerous or not for you has to do with what you've been through up to that point. And the biggest um, cues for what might be safe or what might be dangerous come from your zero to 12 programming, zero to 14, if we're being generous. That's when you're like the rules for life are programmed into you and they weren't necessarily the most helpful or the (laughs) truth for a lot of us that didn't get our needs met either physically or emotionally. We're going to have things that feel dangerous to us based on what we were went through as a, as a kid or even shock trauma later on um, bigger traumas that happened uh, that are really have to do with, with that time and not necessarily what's actually happening. For example, if you were bullied as a kid and now every time you walk into an office party, you have like this sort of social anxiety thing that's going to be your brain saying, Hey, what does this social situation remind me of? It reminds me of when I was a little kid and I would walk into social situations and I was bullied. If that experience as a kid wasn't resolved, meaning you didn't get to talk it through with the safe grown up, you didn't feel your feelings, you weren't protected, the situation wasn't resolved, then that's just like hanging out in your brain as like a potential threat. That's hanging out in your brain as something that could be uh, potentially dangerous to you again. Because being bullied as a kid, that is da- it does feel dangerous to your little body. As an adult, mm-hmm. we can be like, well, that wasn't actually a life or death situation. But to a kid, it is. And that's really the thing that's really important is when kids aren't attuned to, which is so much of our problem in the Western world. We have like, mm-hmm. a, you know, an epidemic of adults who weren't attuned to as a kid, especially yeah. as kids that were raised in like the 80s and 90s and early 2000s where it was very behavior-based parenting styles yes 
we know so much more now about how important it is to attune to the emotional needs of a child. Like having somebody who's like, their eyes are on you and they're watching, like, are you, what do you need? Are you feeling sad? Like, do you, what does this kid need right now? Does he need to feel empowered? Does he need to feel Mm -hmm. celebrated? Does he need to feel protected or comforted? Like, what does this child need? So that emotional attunement is something that so few of us actually uh, got in in completion as a kid. And to, as an adult, you know, if somebody doesn't notice when you're sad, that's not like a big deal. That's not going to kill you. That's not the same as a lion chasing you. To a little kid, especially a little tiny kid, when the only way that you can communicate your needs is through emotional connection, like a baby cries for food, baby yeah. cries to get their diapers changed. Um, as you're developing your brain reads a missed emotional attunement as a threatening sign. Like the person that's taking care of me doesn't see my needs. So then in your neuroception and that part of your brain that's paying attention, that that's trying to make sense of the world based on what feels safe or dangerous, it's going to remember all of that stuff. So when you have an, a reaction to somebody not paying attention to your emotional needs, and it feels, this is just an example, you know, you, your best friend forgot to text you on your, you know, birthday or whatever. Well, I mean, that would be like, ouch, that would hurt. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, if a friend forgot to text you on your birthday, um, you know, if you had a huge reaction and you're crying and you feel so abandoned and you feel so alone, that reaction actually doesn't necessarily match what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. That would be, that would be a reaction most likely based on something that happened to you in the past. You know, your brain is saying, you might not consciously have language for it, but your brain might be saying like, this reminds me of when nobody paid attention to me as a little kid and it's, Mm. and it hurt me and it scared me and your brain will do anything to keep you from experiencing that pain again, which is why we lash out at people or we ghost and we hide and we run away from people. That, you know, that we sense are hurting us. We don't know how to communicate our needs if we weren't able to as a kid. So if your neuroception is constantly scanning your environment for safe or dangerous, and it knows what's safe or dangerous based on what you went through as a little, as a kid or um, big things that happened later on in adulthood, then how safe or in danger your brain thinks you are will signal to your nervous system what state to put you in. Okay, Mm -hmm. so there are three states that you can be in. And you don't need to remember this, like these scientific terms, but I'll tell you what they are scientifically. (laughs) So imagine for anybody listening, you can even go online right now and Google autonomic ladder. The autonomic ladder, it literally looks like a ladder and it has three rungs, it has three sections. Okay, one on top of the other, one, two, three. And the autonomic ladder is just a diagram that shows us the three different states that you can be in based on how safe or in danger your brain thinks that you are. Okay, does that make sense so far? Yeah, yes. Okay, so the three states you can be in are you can be in your uh, ventral state. Your ventral state is your state of safety. You can be in your sympathetic state, which is fight or flight, or you can be in your dorsal state, which is your uh, shutdown or immobility. Mm. So let's talk about those three states. If you are in your safe state, then that's anywhere. Imagine if you're looking at the ladder, 
the very top section is the ventral state. If you're in your ventral state, on the diagram, you would see like a, it would go from 10 down to one. So if you were at a level 10 ventral, you're having the best day of your life. Mm-hmm. You're like, it's your wedding day. You're at Disneyland. You're at a Taylor Swift concert, whatever. Yeah. You're, it's like yeah. the absolute best day of your life. And that means that your nervous system is like, there is nothing threatening here. So you are safe to be your fully authentic self, enjoying your full life. Mm-hmm. You feel connected. You feel engaged. You feel, uh, yeah, creative. That's your yeah. true, that's that's where you can find your true self state. So 10, and then it would go all the way down to one. If you're at a one ventral, you're like, yeah, like I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. Like I maybe like I have to go to work today, but like, yeah, I feel, feel pretty good. So from a level 10, all the way to a level one, that's your safe, that's your safe state. Mm -hmm. And then if the, at the first sign of danger, and you might not even know why. Most like most of the time, we don't exactly know why we get triggered. That's what this is. Yeah. Um, you're gonna go down your ladder. You're gonna come out of your safe state, and you're gonna go into your sympathetic fight or flight state. That's the middle section of the ladder. Mm-hmm. The middle section of the ladder. So instead of ten to one, now it goes one to ten. Okay. 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 And the first thing that's gonna happen to you when you get triggered. If you're at a level one sympathetic is you're just going to be irritated or annoyed. Yeah. You're going to be like, that really bugged me when she did that. You're going to be like, gosh, I just have like a little bit of anxiety. I don't know. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. So do you see the flip? You're like totally good. (laughs) And then you like, like, has it ever happened to you where you're like, (laughs) absolutely. I was going to say, I I think I lived there for about like 10 years. (laughs) Lots of people have high functioning anxiety is very common. Mm-hmm. And that's where anxiety lives. Anxiety is in that sympathetic state. So when you are in that place and remember it's fight or flight. So when you're in your fight or flight state, you're going to be anywhere from irritated or nervous. And then if you go down to level 10, you're going to be like enraged or panicked. Mm, scared. Don't know who to trust. Terrified, paranoid. Yes, all of the things. You're going to be absolutely uh, terrified or uh, rageful. Yeah, that's probably me. (laughs) I was was going to say, girl, you're 10. (laughs) Well, because for some people, like anger is their protection. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. you feel like your anger is serving you from so many threats and Mm -hmm. triggers. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's my go-to. It's the fight mode. But I do have a question. Um, Is it just fight or flight or is it fight, flight, fawn, freeze? Yeah. So, okay. Fight or flight is the technical. Those are the... Those are what happens in your nervous system. You will literally go into a fight mode or you will go into a let's run away mode. Your body thinks, especially if you're in rage, your body thinks that like your life is at, your life is being threatened Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we have to like protect it as much as possible or we have to like run away from it. Fawning is a behavior. It's not a nervous system reaction. It's a behavior. It's how we mask the fear. Okay. 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 So, yeah. Um, and then freeze is actually a blended state. So you are, if we're in, the, let's, if we go back to our ladder, we're in the middle rung of our ladder, right? Mm-hmm. Fight or flight. Right. And then we, if we go all the way down our ladder 
into our lowest rung. This is called the dorsal state. It's our mm. uh, dissociation, depression, despair, all the D words. It's like your deep immobility, like your body's like shutting down. So have you ever been in a fight with somebody and you're just like going at it in your soul and you're like trying to get your point across and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Forget it. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah, whatever. You win. Fine. (laughs) I don't care. So think about that. That's your nervous system being like, I can, I can win. I can protect myself. Everything's I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then all of a sudden it flips into like you, I actually can't run away. This is going to get me. I'm going to die. So what happens when you're in your deep dorsal state, when you're in your dorsal state, basically your body is saying, okay, there's a threat that I can't run away from and I can't fight off. So your body's like, don't worry. I will shut you down so that when the lion eats you, you don't feel it because you'll be so numbed out. That is so sad. Holy shit. Yeah. So your your body is basically like, or uh, from a, you know, biological standpoint, your lions don't like dead prey. So if it can make you look dead, the lion might pass you by. So it's a very protective people that are depressed are in like a very high level of self-protection. And it actually takes more energy to keep you in depression than it does anxiety. Mm. Yeah. Cause your body's on overdrive, correct? Mm-hmm. It's like okay. trying to like expel so much energy to numb you out to life. Mm-hmm. So this is where it gets really interesting because uh, again, and I'll just, just to go back a second, we have the 10 to one on the ventral state. We have one to 10 on sympathetic. And then we have one to 10 in our dorsal state. Wherever you are at on your ladder, if I could, I think I probably said this on the coach lunch. If I could have everyone really understand anything about this, it would be this one sentence. Mm. Your state creates your story. Whatever state you're in, wherever you're at on your autonomic ladder, your story will match that state. So when people don't know that, you will think that your truth is that everybody hates me if you're feeling triggered in that way, or um, I hate everyone, or life always happens to me, nothing works out for me, I'm a victim, your state story will always match your state. Mm -hmm. What that means is that we can use our story as a clue to show us how safe or danger, how safe or in danger our body thinks that we are. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to logically figure out the story, if we can help our bodies feel safer, then our stories naturally shift. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. I have a question. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. So, yes, Alexis, you may speak. Um, so I asked you this in the coach launch program when you said yeah. this. Yeah. And I'm gonna ask it again. So there are certain moments on the ladder where I have found myself creating that narrative or painting a picture of my the life of my the story of my life or the the narrative of a situation or argument that I'm in with somebody. And I would say, my gut is telling me this. I know it's this. Yeah. So when people say, but my gut, this is my gut. Yeah. What do you say to that? Well, I would say that there's a huge difference between your gut instinct and your intuition. Mm -hmm. Your your gut instinct 
-hmm. is what you're actually saying is your body is reacting to something based on what you've been through. If I was bullied as a kid and I feel anxiety going into the holiday party, I would, if I had no idea what's going on, I'd be like, "Mm, I just have a bad feeling about this. My gut is telling me not to go. That is not your intuition. Right. That is not your connection with God, like warning you that something bad's going to happen. That's your gut reminding you of what happened last time you went into a similar situation. Your intuition feels like peace. Your intuition feels like joyful wisdom, period. Okay. See, she blows my mind again. I I just, no. Okay. Listen, because it's really hard. Like I believed you a year ago when you said that and I was like, Oh my God, it makes, it makes so much sense. Thank you. But a year ago now, like now where I'm at, I'm like, no, Courtney, no, my gut. No, listen, listen, you're not listening to me. My gut is telling me this and I know it's this and you're telling me no. Totally. I know it's me. I'm not listening to you. (laughs) I know it feels so real. I was literally just talking to some clients about this today. It does feel so real, which is why it's vital to understand that your state creates your story. If you really have some kind of like, maybe I shouldn't do this feeling, it will be because there's something better for you and you'll know it. It won't be because something terrible is going to happen to you. Wow. I mean, I am thinking about like the times where like, yes, yes, there's times where we have like this gut feeling and yes, it may actually be true. Right. You know what I mean? Like you might feel something and then it actually become true, became true. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, well, I think I, okay. Like for example, yesterday. I earlier at work, I was like, and I get these feelings sometimes. I feel like something bad's going to happen. Oh my God. Mm. And then my heart started hurting. This is a panic attack right? now that I'm talking about it. Um, <laughs> In hindsight, <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, And I just heart- started getting this bad feeling like, oh my God, something bad's about to happen. It's going to like wreck me. Oh my gosh. And then something happened later that day. Mm-hmm. Um, She knows what I'm talking about. And it, it did. I started crying the rest of the night and I was like, see, I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. I knew that this was going to turn out this way Mm. because it always does using the always Mm -hmm. and the nevers and the, Mm -hmm. um, but it really is hard because you really do. Like you said, even earlier, like you pick up on experience through your life and whenever a threat comes you're like oh it's going to be like that again but Mm -hmm. it is really hard because sometimes it does turn out like that well especially if you're looking for it that's that's exactly what I was that's especially if you're looking for it there are people out there that are like they're not like you know oh my god what's going to happen they're like what's the best that could happen what's you know like I wonder how this could like everything works out for me life is happening for me and I life is good and I trust God. I trust life. And I'm just mm-hmm. like going in my direction. I know what I want and I'm moving towards that. And so anything that happens in the way of, of me and that thing is just trying to teach me something. You either win or you learn. Right. People do believe that. <laughs> that's that's an option for the human experience to have that mentality. But we don't want to ignore what's going on. So if you were my client, I wouldn't say like, you just need to change your mindset because your trauma eats your mindset for breakfast. It's not going to just change your mind. (laughs) Your body has hard evidence for why it's true that bad things always happen to you or like something bad's going to happen. What happened to you yesterday was a sense of dread caused by your body's memory of bad things happening. And then coincidentally, something tricky did happen. Yeah. And 
and you and then your cute brain is like see always told you but that is actually not true and it doesn't have to be true for your life well I want to get to that mindset of like I'm gonna have a beautiful life and it's gonna be fine I want to see the best of my life and all that like so how do you get there whenever you are in the dorsal and then the Uh ventral state yeah so your dorsal state is your state of immobility or shutdown your sympathetic state is your state of fight or flight your ventral state is your state of safety by the way to answer a question from a minute ago, the freeze state is your dorsal and your sympathetic state, a combination of the two. It's kind of like a car that has a gas and the brake on at the same time. Oh, so if wow. you have that feeling where you're like, I have, there's like so much I have to do, but I'm like, I, I can't even move. I can't decide what to do. Like, I just feel like that's the freeze state. Okay. That makes sense. Was, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> fun. Yeah, no, it's not fun at all. So, okay. Yeah. I think that a lot of people are asking that question and there is a lot of, you know, toxic positivity out there that would make you think that you do just change your mind, but you can't change your mind. You have to change your state. And then you have to Mm -hmm. teach your body that it's safer to spend more and more time in a safe state. Mm. So we practice feeling safe in our bodies. Mm. And there's a few ways to do that. So My hunch for you, Alexis, is that you have some layers that are trying to come up and out, and that's not a bad thing. If you're experiencing a lot of rage, I would have you work with that. I mean, rage is is powerful, and so many of us that had have experienced trauma, lack of attunement, we didn't get we didn't feel powerful as kids. Maybe it wasn't safe to express our anger, especially for women and little girls. And so when you feel that anger coming online, it's, it feels intense. It's hard to know what to do with it, but we want to work with it because your body's trying to resolve something. It's Mm. trying to like get the power back that you didn't have back then. But if you just think that it's actually what's happening, everything looks like a nail and you're the hammer and you're just Mm going to like, I'm going to wreck it. You're just going to like destroy everything. Yeah. So, Um, Working with that anger would be uh, really helpful. Maybe that's something to pause on and we'll come back to you later. Okay. I do want to say, I love how you said your body's trying to resolve something. Yeah. It's like an opportunity. It's an open door for healing. Yes. And your body's, so it's not actually your body working against you like most people would think, like how Mm -hmm. I think sometimes. It's actually your body trying to come back into alignment and heal with you. Your body's always trying to heal. Always. Yeah. You live in a self-healing body. It's amazing. I say that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Kinda, it brings back to like God wanted us to own our body and own the power that he gave us inside of us. And this is what yeah. that looks like. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And, you know, you think about like Jesus was in a human body. So many other, yes. there are so many other spiritual paths that would invite you to transcend this human experience. And Jesus is like one of the only ones that invites you deeper into it. Mm-hmm. He wants yeah. you to be in the human body. You can't logic your way out of pain. He wants you to actually <laughs> be more in your body and to learn how to feel safe in your body. That was like Jesus's point. It's safe to be here in your body. Yes. And people try to do checklists. I know you're, she, you're killing Krista. You're killing her. <laughs> I was, when she said, you can't logic your way out of pain. I'm like, Okay. The light. <laughs> I know. 
I try really hard. <laughs> I know. I know. And you know, that's a very, when we haven't been taught how to be with the emotions in our body, because they can be so uncomfortable, we will escape to the confines of our cognitive realm. Mm. That's a really common way to escape your body. Well, especially for men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. Oh, you don't <laughs> I think see so? it in both. In my experience, I feel okay. like it's pretty even. Maybe it expresses differently, but women are high analyzers. I mean, mm. and that even that, not, you know, they can be. I think I read this somewhere. Do men, I don't know if this is true. Do men actually have larger amygdalas? Do you know that? I don't know. I read that somewhere and I was like, wait, what? We say what? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Like where the feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where the feelings come from. <laughs> and like women, they're, what is it? The prefrontal cortex or something? Like theirs is actually, I don't know. I was reading about like the difference between men's brains and women's brains. And I was like, so you're telling me <laughs> that. Wait a minute. Yeah. You know, because. Like yeah. you would think that it's opposite. I mean, don't fact but check. Men yet, have though. more space for emotions, but they, I guess they didn't learn how to deal. And then women have more space for logic, but there was this narrative that women are emotional. That's what she's saying. Yeah. It almost feels like men and women have been taught different ways to avoid their emotions, for sure. For sure. but they both were taught to avoid their emotions. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, I see what yeah. you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, what were you saying? <laughs> okay, <going back. laughs> we went yeah. on that tangent. So, yeah, um, so when you said we were talking about how the freeze mode, yeah, the, and then how, how do you have get, a beautiful life? Yes, how do you have a beautiful yeah. life and get back into your ventral, ventral, right? <laughs> v oh my gosh, v e n t r a l, ventral, ventral. There you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> After this podcast, I'll show you my diagram. Yes. And anybody that's listening, you can Google like a, just like a thing. There's like a light autonomic ladder. Oh, and you were saying how to partner with my anger and stuff. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. So when somebody, when you are in your ventral state, you have what's called a regulated nervous system. Your nervous system is regulated. It means, mm -hmm. It's not activating any systems in an unhelpful way. The thing about the nervous system too is it's it's actually your vagus nerve. It's connected to every system in your body. So your immune system, your digestion, every single system, which is why so many people are experiencing now. You hear so much about chronic illness um, that has yeah. so much to do with a dysregulated nervous system, a nervous system that's constantly sending threats threat signals to your body. It's because it's basically like, hey, a lion is chasing you. So we don't have time for proper immune support. We don't have time for proper digestion because we have to send more energy to your survival so that you can be on, you can be ready to run at any time. Like if you, when they study, you know, somebody that's actually running away from a threat, you're, there's a lot of things that happen to your body physically in order to help you do that. And there, you're not in optimal functioning when you're running away from a threat, when you're surviving or when you're shut down because your body's using all that energy to protect you. Mm -hmm. So when you're dysregulated, maybe you're spending, maybe you notice that you're spending more time in dysregulation. Another way to say that would be maybe you're noticing that you're spending more time in self-protection mm -hmm. than you are spending in your authentic 
free, joyful self. Mm-hmm. And, and what would self-protection look like for, a, a, like, what does that look like? A variety. Mm-hmm. Um, self-protection is anything, anytime you don't feel fully safe, connected, creative, calm, compassionate. So self-protection looks like anxiety, fight, flight, irritation, nervousness, rage, panic, shutdown. Uh, so anything in your fight or flight state, self-protection, anything in your shutdown state, self-protection, uh, depression, dissociation. So anything other than your ventral state, anything other than your ventral state is self-protection. Yes. Yeah. And when you are in active self-protection, you notice like I'm actually in self-protection a lot. I think it's helpful when people recognize that's what's going on Mm -hmm. because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm, I'm not, I can't totally predict the future. Everything that I've studied shows that it won't be that long before we see mental illness as what it really is, which is nervous system dysregulation. Mm. So the mental illness model is our, what we've historically used and it's quickly becoming, I don't know if I would say irrelevant, but we're Definitely a lot of science and research is going into understanding, oh, so maybe bipolar is actually a nervous system that's going high and low and high and low. Maybe anxiety disorder is a nervous system that's stuck in sympathetic. Maybe depression, not maybe, (laughs) for sure. A nervous system that's (laughs) stuck in the high self-protection of shutdown is what we would call a depressive disorder. Mm. And that is very empowering news. Because when you recognize that that's what's going on with you, it gives you a lot of power to shift what's happening in your body. And so the way that you would begin to shift that if you're noticing like, yeah, actually I struggle with anxiety a lot or depression a lot. The way that you would begin to shift that is you want, you're going to want to look for small moments when you are noticing your true self online. Uh, Deb Dana is like one of the best teachers on, she's a very gifted teacher on the nervous system. She calls them glimmers. So moments when you are like driving down the street and you're listening to your favorite music and the sun is setting and you feel like everything's beautiful and you just have this feeling Mm -hmm. of like, why am I so worried? Like, Like, Mm -hmm. everything is actually really fine. That's your true self. Yeah, wow. For people that are chronically dysregulated, when you have a glimmer, like a moment of like, ah, glimmer, a couple things. You want to recognize, oh, so that means the other 99% of the time I'm just in self-protection. My <laughs> life actually isn't as bad as it feels. I mean, it is very painful and uncomfortable. So yeah. not to invalidate. It's incredibly uncomfortable to go there. I don't know if I shared anything about my personal experience. I can in the coach lodge, but mm-hmm. um, it's very, very uncomfortable. I was diagnosed with PTSD, depression, anxiety wow. in, to the extreme. I was a very extreme case. Mm-hmm. And when you have glimmers, you kind of recognize like good news, bad news. The good news is my true self is still there. Right. Yeah. And how can I orient to that version of me? You want to ask yourself, what's true when I'm in this state? That's a very important question to begin to get friendly with. What is true when I'm in my true self state? And then the bad, uh, maybe the not so fun news is to realize like, oh, so all the time I'm scared. So all the time I'm in Mm self-protection. When people are angry and rageful and hostile, they're scared. Mm -hmm. When people are depressed and dissociated and in despair, they're scared. Mm -hmm. 
it's really like I think um Dr. Caroline Leaf, you know, she's the Oh yeah. 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 yeah, she's like there's only love and fear. That's all. That's the only two emotions are love and fear. There's lots of different ways that they express. But when we can help ourselves, when we can help our bodies know that it's safe to be here, mm -hmm. then we can begin to shift our story and our, our lives feel like they begin to change. Um, and one of the ways to do that is to really orient to who you are when you do feel safe. Who is that version of me? What do I love? What are my preferences when I feel deeply safe? What do I love to do? What um, what feels true about God, about the world, yeah. about my purpose, about my relationships when I feel really, really safe? And then on the other side, when you go back into self-protection, you want to practice deep, unconditional compassion. Mm -hmm. So it's not a shame that it's going to fix it. <laughs> no. So shame is the perceived disconnection from love, which is yeah. terrifying. If you really think about that, yep. of shame is dysregulation. Shame is it's the, it's, I'm scared for just, you know, I'm scared for, uh, there's something about me that is disconnecting me from love. That's what shame is. So compassion really is the antidote to that. Absolutely. Well, and as you're saying this, it's it it brings me back to a lot of times where I was feeling very emotional and did not know what to do. And I would go to a like go to my church at the time and they would just be like, Well, just pray about it. Just pray it away. <laughs> or, yeah. Totally. How'd that work for you? <laughs> right, exactly. Or like go to listen to this worship song. Or, you know, you just need to like forget about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned something about worship songs, which I kind of want you to answer. Um, if you don't yeah. mind. But yeah. uh but it was just kind of like, okay, you're not listening to me. Like this doesn't feel like well, even like a God would want to hear me or love on me and be like, oh my, I hear you, baby girl, like all that stuff. It just felt like you were Gross. dismissing mm -hmm. me. Does that make um, sense? Totally. Imagine if my son came in here and was like, I'm scared of monsters. And I was like, well, have you tried praying about it? <laughs> that's like the worst kind of parenting I could ever imagine. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. Because you, <laughs> because when a child is scared, they can't, feel love. They can't feel that connection. They need a safe, loving adult to sit with them until they feel safe again. So I understand what the church is trying to do in, in pointing you to the source of love. I get it. Like, I don't think that there are people in the church that are like, we're just going to like trick right. them into <laughs> feeling safer. You know, like I get it. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of, um, uh, misunderstanding about what's actually happening, uh, in your, in your body and in your nervous system. And I think what's, what's hard is it's one thing to be like, have you tried connecting to God? Uh, you know, we've all tried that by that point. Like, I don't know anyone who's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a, that's you know a what? Wow. I haven't actually like that. Like you're basically saying, yeah, no, I have. And that's why I feel freaked out right now because I can't feel him. What's right. happening when you can't feel God is that your body is, is in a state of self-protection. You mm -hmm. can, your connection with God lives within your ventral state. He's with you wherever you're at, but you can really feel that connection when you're in your ventral state. Right. So well, anyways, 
Yeah, and it ahead. does create the narrative of like, well, then God doesn't hear me. He doesn't care about me. He's not listening. All this totally. stuff. It's so true. Yeah. That oh, I think the narrative that it creates first is there's something wrong with me. Yes. For sure. Yes. I think that <laughs> like sure. what happens is there's something wrong with me. And then the people that really feel like there's something wrong with them, they do feel so much shame. And then they yeah. either go to, I'm going to do more for God or they go, well, F this. I don't want any part of this. The deconstructing mm-hmm. people, which I completely went through a lot of faith evolution in my own healing journey. People that I find that are in this massive deep deconstruction and stuck in that angry stage are the ones that felt like they were told they were they didn't understand what was happening with them and the church kept pressing into this them this idea that they weren't connecting to God enough and they know that's not true but that's ridiculous Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense but like when you can't move beyond that that's another stuck place as well so I think with worship music with you know church you know with what the church would tell you to do with emotions I have always said like, man, I wish I could do some trauma informed, like nervous system teaching to church leadership because it changes everything. You don't have angry, lost, you know, congregants. You have like a bunch of scared people. Yeah. You know, when you understand that, I think the, how we would advise, how we would pastor, how we would support, how we would lead worship, what we would sing would be so different and so in support of the human being feeling safe Mm -hmm. because when the human being feels safe, they naturally connect to God. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's your natural flow state. You don't have to get back to God. You just have to help, you know, your body feel safer. And I think God gives us so much power to be able to, to do that when we can recognize like, Oh, I'm sitting in a body that feels really scared. Mm -hmm. So answering your question further on how to feel safe, I think the personal question you can ask is how can I help my body feel safer in this moment? Mm -hmm. There's lots of things. You can call a friend. You can take a bath. You can read a book. Sometimes you need to watch something funny. Sometimes you do need to go on on Netflix and just like, you know, help your body, remind your body like there's more than this terrible situation I'm in. Like Mm. if I can laugh about this, you know, and then there's lots of healing things that you can do when you feel safer. Like, journaling, going to therapy, um, talking it out with a friend, you know, moving your body, whatever. There's lots of like things that you can do to like actually help yourself heal through the pain that's hurting you. And then there's lots of things you can do to bring yourself back up into, into your safe zone. My whole, my podcast, my kind of like my message is called the heal create podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's about this idea that we, we want, we're both it's like two legs on the same body. That's how my friend explained it. And it's, we want to be with ourselves when we're feeling scared and help ourselves heal some of those things that need to resolve for our expansion. And then we can want to go back into our true self and we want to create what we're here to create. We want to connect. We want to feel compassionate, curious. We want to be like grounded in our true self. It's kind of this like back and forth thing that moves us forward through our human experience. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and also just like free to be whatever you want to be Mm -hmm. without being judged or being wanting to be looked at and be fixed. Like I feel like for me, whenever I feel safe, it's when I can like think and do, and this is like in a healthy way, not in like a destructive way, but just I feel free to be myself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you made a good point too when you said like not in a destructive way. You, you 
when you fully trust yourself and you feel fully safe and fully connected to the source of love to God, you wouldn't destruct. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't, you wouldn't like, you naturally wouldn't find yourself in destructive addictions or, you know, destructive behaviors with other people. Um, because you, you wouldn't need to fill holes. You, you wouldn't need to like do excessive things to help yourself feel safe. So yeah, you're absolutely right. You have a question? No, I feel like my mind is like, yeah, no, that's exactly how I was. Like, I couldn't even speak. She left me speechless a year ago. Well, and <laughs> you did say, which um, it stuck with me, whenever you have those glimmers, like mm-hmm. have a journal only for those glimmers so mm-hmm. that you can write it down. And it, whenever you need a reminder of who you are or your safe self, your true self, you can go back to that journal and remind yourself like, this is who you are. This is your authentic self. Yeah. This is your safe self. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a practice that was given to me by my, my teacher was, um, her name is Sarah Baldwin. She's incredible if anybody is interested in like deep diving into this work she's on instagram at i think it's sarah b coaching at sarah b coaching Mm -hmm. she gave me the practice of getting a journal when you find yourself in moments of like clarity or you know you have a glimmer you feel joyful you feel connected write down what's true for you Mm -hmm. have a pinterest board where you like Mm -hmm. when you feel in that space and you're like pinning things that are inspiring to you Mm -hmm inspiration is the path back home to yourself. Mm. That's good. Because you're, when you have long, a long history of anxiety, like I did, you can feel like your true self is who, what even does that mean? It feels like it's a million miles away and you don't have no idea who that is. That version of you is always there. One powerful way to recover who that version of you is, is to pay attention to what and who inspires you, especially who inspires you, because whoever inspires you, it they just embody your potential. They're just mirroring back to you pieces of yourself. So when you feel like you've lost yourself because you're in so much self-protection, you've been depressed for so long, there's always a way back. And it's paying attention to what inspires you, paying attention to those glimmers, those moments of hopefulness that you experience. Can I ask you something? No. I'm just hearing like, <laughs> oh, never, we're done. <laughs> of course you can. Because I'm just hearing voices in my head and it might just be me or I'm yeah. like hearing the listeners. Mm. If a person was so numb mm-hmm. and this person doesn't even like feel the good things anymore or even the bad things anymore mm. and you just feel so numb. What, mm-hmm. what does that, what is that? Mm-hmm. Is that where like, cause some people will even say, well, maybe that's just my body at peace, but I feel like to, to be fully alive mm-hmm. is feeling those good things. And mm-hmm. when the bad things come up, you're able to move through them, but to mm. feel completely numb is like, you're not connected to yourself. You're not connected to your, your humanity. I, that's just mm-hmm. me. But what do you think mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, it's such a good question. You said that really well too. There's a difference between feeling at peace and being numb. Mm-hmm. And your peaceful state is in your ventral state. And you feel you feel here. You feel like you're aware of where you're at in your timeline. There are things that have happened behind me. There are things that are coming up, but I'm here in this moment. I have nothing to do and I feel deeply at peace. Mm-hmm. 
So that is um, what peace feels like. <clears throat> and you feel connected to love. Like you could talk to him in any moment in those moments of peace or whatever God is for you. You could, you could talk to God. And numbness is dissociation. So that's a deep dorsal experience. That's a body's let that says um, the things that I'm dealing with, the things that feel like they're uh, chasing me or happening or I can't outrun or I can't fight off are too much for me. I will not survive them. They're definitely going to get me. So I will, um, I will shut this body down so that I don't it's back to the, what the, you know, then the lion, I won't feel it when the lion eats me. Right. So that's a feeling of numbness. And that was, I experienced that I was a really severe case of, um, disassociation is what that is. You're disassociated from your human experience. I was gonna say, I mean, the word that's coming to mind, is that like almost like hopelessness? Like you feel hopeless-ish? Yeah. Hopelessness can be part of that experience okay. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Are these, I don't want to say these people because like we've all been there, but whenever you're in that state, are you capable of love and caring about somebody or even like caring and loving yourself? Like, do you really have even much capacity, which that probably sounds like a stupid question. Cause in my head, I'm probably like, no, well, because people hurt other people when they're in that state. And I've mm-hmm. been hurt by people like that. And, mm-hmm. but I've also done the hurting too, whenever I've been in that state. So it's kind of hard, even when you see a person in that state, it's kind of hard to believe anything that they are saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it is true. Um, that when you're in that state, it's harder to access your desire to care for other people and to care for yourself. You always have a choice though. Mm -hmm. Always. If you, I don't care if you're diagnosed with the wildest, most severe, um, diagnosis, you always have a choice of how to respond and how to act. Like, I don't mean like how to act as far as behavior, but what action you're going to take. You always have a choice. So you can understand too that when somebody's hurting you and they're in that place, their body is literally seeing you as a threat mm. to their survival, to their peace, to their protection. So I think it gives a lot of compassion, a lot of natural compassion. It changes your relationships too because you're like, oh, you're triggered. You, mm-hmm. You're seeing my behavior, my my personhood as a threat to your survival. Like – Oh, I'm so sorry. Like that's so hard. Um, and then the same is true for yourself. You, you always have a choice for how to, how to, how to move forward when you're in that place. I think it can just be really hard. Cause I know for me, if I'm being completely honest, I'm just being vulnerable in this episode. I internalize it Mm -hmm. when another person is in that state and they're like that, like what you just said, like, oh, you see me as a threat. Oh, you feel unsafe. Like, I'm so sorry. I love you. Like giving that compassion. But in, with some people, I can do that. Like with her, we built enough trust where, mm-hmm. all right, yeah. Christa, you I love you. Know, it's not yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Right. But with other people who, who are newer, whatever you want to call it. You don't have as much history. Yeah. You internalize <clears throat> it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a question? Yeah. No, that's just all I had to say. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, is that because that doesn't feel safe for you? Oh, 
Yeah. Because it doesn't feel safe for, for me. Cause I think of it as like, oh, you're weaponizing your mess against me. And I know that's not it, but it's literally how, what I go to. Yeah. Understanding triggers, really understanding triggers and re- triggered responses is kind of like waking up in the matrix. You're like, oh, <laughs> you're just acting out of your programming. I'm just acting out of my programming. Like none of this is personal. It's like, it's like That's a very, <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. It's a very wild experience to really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, there's a difference between blame and boundaries. So you're saying like you're trying to weaponize, like you're going into a place of making it personal, like, like as if this person is like, I'm going to get her or I'm going to, and that's a very young response. That's how kids feel. So you can know when you have that response. It's okay. We all have that. I I think every single person has that knee jerk. Like, why are you trying to hurt me? But, um, very, I mean, even we know hurting people, the most hurtful, like really what, what, what society would call evil people are the most hurt, the most deeply hurt. Nobody is, I personally, personally believe nobody is, is like from a very conventional safe place. Like, you know what? I'm going to, that doesn't, that's not how biologically, that's not how we work. Right. Anyone that's trying to hurt you is trying to protect themselves. And that's so scary and so sad to be in that place. So while you don't need to make it personal, that's easier said than done. Be compassionate on the part of you that's making it personal because that part Mm. of you Mm. is not your true self. Your true self is untriggerable. Your true self is like watching these reactions from other people and you're like, so interesting. Yeah. Huh. So curious. But there's a young part of you that's like kind of driving the bus of your life. When somebody looks like they're going to attack you, your neuroception's like, I remember what it was like to be hurt in the past and I didn't like it. And this kind of looks like that. And you're doing that to me. Mm. Like be compassionate on that part of you. Yeah, no, I needed to hear that. That was really good. Because it's like that part of me needs still needs love still. It needs to get those mm-hmm. needs met that wasn't met by her mom or her dad and didn't feel seen in it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And you can't, it's one of the best lines in, I don't know, um, trauma science is Peter Levine, who is another amazing gifted, like one of the fathers of trauma science mm-hmm. says, it's never too late to give yourself the childhood you deserve. Mm. Oh, that's good. You that could, is good. That's so good. The work for you. Alexis, the work for me, for you, Krista, for all of us is to every day show up for that young part of us. It's the only thing that will change. You're not going to get around inner child work, which I have a feeling you guys both know. Yeah. But um, the, that's how you change your subconscious beliefs. You cannot tell yourself, I'm going to start believing that life is happening for me and not to me. I'm going to start believing that everything's working out for me. You can't tell yourself that anymore that I could tell my kid like monsters aren't real go back to bed like I have to comfort him I have to give him the experience of like hey look I'm not actually afraid of that Mm -hmm. like I'm with you it's okay and that changes their experience my parents not afraid of this so maybe I don't have to be afraid of this and that's what actually changes their beliefs and shifts shifts how they experience life Mm -hmm. and we can do that for our younger self 
Mm, that was so good. I literally feel like I'm like, I feel like I'm going to listen to this podcast like three or four times after this. <laughs> just, to, just to listen yeah. to it again. Cause like, I feel, I feel like my mind is just like blown right now. There's a yeah. lot of things going through my mind. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. If you have, I feel like if you, if there's anything that you have to share yeah. or ask. Well, I mean, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about this ventral state. Is mm-hmm. there like, do you believe that people can consistently be in that ventral state? Or do you feel like because of the human experience, is it just like a constant ebb of ebb and flow? Yeah, totally. You okay. wouldn't want to live in a body that's not triggered because your body like is always trying to protect you and it always is on guard for you, which is a good thing because you know, we want to be able to experience triggers. What we're looking for in healing is a flexible nervous system. So when you're in a healing journey, you want to raise your baseline so that when you metabolize something hard, you return back into ventral. Gotcha. Yes. That makes sense because we're not going to live a life that doesn't have like harsh experiences. No, actually there's like studies of people who don't have the connection to their neuroception to like the pain or threat signals. And it's like the most dangerous disconnected um, state you can be in. Like you, you want the, you want that mechanism online. You just want to return to safety. And Mm -hmm. most of us have a a home away from home, as Deb Dana calls it, where we're, we, when we return back to our baseline, we just go back to like our constantly irritated or constantly anxious state, <laughs> you know? So that's our home away from home. Your home is in your ventral state connected, deeply safe and connected. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good because you don't want to, we don't want to create this mindset of like, you have to be perfect all the time and you have mm-hmm. to always be at peace and always be safe. Oh yeah. No, that's, no, you don't want to, that's toxic, pos- uh, toxic positivity. The right. state that you do want to try to embody all the time is compassion, self-compassion. If there's it. anything that you want to maintain and you want to practice being in a constant connection with, it's self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because like yeah. triggers and knowing what's safe and what's not is good for you in a healthy way. Like obviously yes. if someone's like, if you're at a gas station and somebody's about to rob it, like, oh, danger, <laughs> somebody get help. For sure. And, and you know, that those kind of things happen like 3% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> what, what it's really good to be like, you're, you know, those like really, really big, scary, actual life-threatening things are such a small percentage. If we knew, you know, we in theory wouldn't worry about them. Yeah, the th- right. The reason why it's actually good to, to be triggerable is because triggers show you where you need healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want to be able to be triggerable because triggers always show you an area of yourself that needs love, always show you an area of your, you know, the childhood that needs a different childhood experience or hard situations that need resolve. You want to be triggerable because we, we want to step back into our wholeness as much as possible. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a question. Um, so there's like, there's times where, and and I've talked to Alexis about this, but there's times where like I wake up and I'm like, this is like, I feel fantastic. Like this is the best day ever. You know, like you were talking about driving to work and I'm like, yes, like today is going to be great. Like I just feel great. And then there's days where I wake up and I'm like, Hmm, I feel like complete shit. And I always think I don't know why. Mm -hmm. So do you, what do you feel like that is? Mm-hmm. There's like a there's a lot of factors that can keep you out of ventral. Um, 
I would say the need to know why is the number one thing that keeps us from self-compassion. I don't need to know why my child is sad or scared in order to comfort them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That see, this is what I'm talking about. She blows my mind. Okay. Because like as a little kid, you're like, well, you need it. Well, why, 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 why? And you're always giving Mm -hmm. answers, but like, and I have this like toxic trait where I need to know everything. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, if I don't, I'm kind of like, oh, I feel out of control. Yeah, right. And I will say that once you have compassion on yourself, you can calm your nervous system enough, usually to where the answer does kind of float up to the surface. But, you know, but even if it doesn't, you're okay. Like we want to soothe our nervous system, help ourselves, like give ourselves so much compassion, help ourselves feel um, safer so that we can have that conversation with ourselves. Like what hurt you? Like, we just kind of want to calm a kid that's having a tantrum before we like, we like ask them like, so what actually happened? As opposed to them screaming on the ground, you're like, but what, but tell me why though, but why, (laughs) why are you upset? Like what's actually happening? You know? Well, yeah. And then, well, you think in your adult life, you think in your adult life and friendships or relationships and you react and you're triggered and some people will look at you like, you're crazy. Why are you acting like this? Like, yeah. I wouldn't act like this. And you're like, I don't know. This is just how I feel. Yeah. And, and they're just like, why? Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully you don't have too many friends like that. <laughs> you know, yeah. We're slowly getting rid of. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Weeding out the uncompassionate. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's going to be super helpful for me to remember with myself is just kind of, I mean, like literally imagining like a, like a little kid and like, what would I say to that little kid? Cause I wouldn't do like a lot of the ways that I treat myself. I wouldn't treat a little kid that yeah. way whenever it comes to like yeah. my feelings and pain and all that stuff. So yeah. I feel like that is super helpful for me. And I'm, that's something that I want to practice is like visualizing myself as like a little kid whenever mm-hmm. those things come up. Because I yeah. do remember like when Alexis was going through like the coaching program and what a, the other thing that you did. Come um, alive. Come alive. Yeah, come alive. Like I started seeing her uh, like during pain, like literally like be like, body, you're safe. You're okay. Like, like literally talking to herself, like you would comfort a child. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, this is interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? She thought it was weird at first. Yeah. But then I tried it and I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. I see why now, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Like the amount of hugs that we actually needed mm-hmm. and comfort that we actually needed and didn't get, we can give to ourselves now. Yeah. I was going to say, because I feel like like our dynamic is like we are complete opposites. Like we always talk about like she is the super feeler and I am the super not feeler. Yeah. <laughs> like, I tried to avoid that at all costs. Like I'm, like I said, the logical that's what I try to go to, which I know is protection too, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't blame each other for it anymore now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a win. That's good. Yeah, that's a win. That's it just took yeah. 10 years, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I do want to say after, you know, speaking about all this, what is one thing that you would like to leave with our listeners that you just feel in your heart? Like, what do you feel like they need to hear? Because it can be overwhelming this healing journey. And like we, we, especially if you lived in an era, like what we just said, the eighties, nineties and early two thousands of like deconstructing a lot of things, especially in the Christian world. What Mm -hmm. is one thing you would leave with them or that you would want them to take most from this? Mm, I think that 
Like I said before, the thing I want everyone to understand about the nervous system is that your state creates your story. That's really, really important to know because that will save you a lot of time trying to figure out your story. If you feel lost, pay attention to what inspires you. Pay attention to what lights you up. What lights you up will lead you home. There is this healing journey that so many of us are on, especially after 2020, so many of us are on. It's not like this permanent life state. It actually does have more of an ending than we would than we would think. It has not then that doesn't mean that you won't be like always growing and evolving and and like finding different areas to heal, but that really intense like I'm just waking up to all the pain I've never felt or I'm really in the middle of a lot of anxiety or it's been a couple of years and I'm just like still here. That season has an end. Mm-hmm. And if you keep paying attention to what lights you up and you keep dreaming about the life that you would create if you felt deeply safe, you will come out of this season and step into who you're here to be. It's it's mm. not only my experience and belief, but it's science. I also believe it's the gospel. That's just me. But right. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's probably a lot of people, but yeah. <laughs> it, there's so much in support of that idea that it's mm-hmm. worth it's worth it to keep going. Mm-hmm. Well, One thing that I really love about you is that you always say, and you said this in the coach launch is that, and you prayed over us too. You said you Mm. will have a beautiful life. You will, you can have it. It's yours. You will have a beautiful life. Mm -hmm. And it's something that ever since that day, I have told over my heart almost every day, whenever, especially when I feel safe. Mm -hmm. And I just thank you for Mm. honestly being you and going through this journey because just even in that, I think one or two hours of experiencing who you are, it helped me for the past year. Oh man. Thank you so much for saying that. I, you know, I know that you're trying to wrap up. I will add that. You're good. Okay. The it's we didn't really get into this but i will say oh, yeah. that for me with having a very very painful and long experience with ptsd and depression and anxiety a huge pivot and turning point in my journey was when i was learning about the nervous system i learned that dreaming is imperative for healing mm, you that. can't heal if you can't dream and your dreams will always require your healing on the other side of that as well The things that you dream about, they're always going to show you the parts of you that need wholeness, that need to experience their wholeness. And so because dreaming is such a huge part, it's something that I love to encourage people to do because that you will, you are going to, I mean, I wrote a song about it. Yeah. (laughs) She's a singer, y'all. She can sing. Yeah. (laughs) I did. It's like, it's, it was because I kept, it's called beautiful beautiful. Um, and it's the whole course is like, you're going to have the most beautiful life when you're done healing. Because I kept meeting people that were like, you could tell they were in the middle of their journey, which is where I was at, where you just feel like I'm just as far in as I'll ever be out. I guess the only thing I can do is I'll keep going, but I feel hopeless. And what if I never get there? And I would like put my hands on their shoulders and be like, you're going to have the most beautiful life. I promise. And so that's kind of my, yeah, it's what I deeply believe. I really, really, really do believe that. And it's um, true for everyone. Mm-hmm. No, they needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. Honestly, you inspire me in so many ways. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> That's so nice. I appreciate that. Oh my Did you goodness. have anything to say? That was amazing. 
<laughs> I told her, I told her, I was like, you're not going to know what to say because it's going to blow your mind. I didn't either. I mean, it, but it all makes so much sense. Like listening to you, I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That, that yeah. totally makes sense. Like, and, yeah. and I completely agree with you in the aspect of like, I feel like the gospel and science, they match up more than. Oh, yeah. The... No. Yeah. They really yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, totally. I know. There's there's just so much good news everywhere, truly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't believe the bad. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the bad news of the of the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> See, I want to have like that mindset all the time, not just yeah. in my happy moments. That's what I want to get to. Um, yeah. Yes. All the time. Connected. To I'm, just, I'm just gonna text you compassion. Just Alexis. <laughs> yeah. Girl. Well, I do appreciate you coming on, Courtney. You've yeah. been one of my favorite guests, and oh, I've wanted you, you for so a much. year. Like, <laughs> literally, I feel like I've heard your name like at least once every two weeks. <laughs> She's Aww. like, I really want to reach out to Courtney. I really want to reach, reach out to her. Oh my gosh! And then, and then finally, I was like, okay, reach out to her. Like, do it. <laughs> but I was scared. <laughs> that's so funny. Why? I don't know. I get so nervous. Like oh, we've been funny. doing this for what? Rejection. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that too. But I just get so nervous. And we've been doing this for a year and a half. And I feel good when it's when it's yeah. us. And yeah. I feel like my authentic self when we're recording. But when it's a guest, I'm kind of like, okay, all right. Like how do we yeah. Do yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I would definitely, yeah, rethink that. Because it's an, it's an honor to be asked and even to share your story and – to be to be on a podcast, I feel like there's you, you got nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll just remember that. Yeah. <laughs> well, for those of you listeners, I hope you're as blessed as me and Krista was. Mm. We just we love yeah. her so much. And make sure to go listen to the Heal Heal Create podcast. <laughs> if you think we're good, she's better. You'll get more out of it. <laughs> she's great. And then you are a life coach. Yes, I am. And yeah. are you taking any clients? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am actually. And you can find me at Courtney Land. Um, yes, I'm a life coach. I'm a life coach for um, Compassion Method Trained, which is Laura Duncan's. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys know who she is. Um, We've and mentioned then also, her a couple times. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then also trauma-informed. And I work a lot. Well, I work with all kinds of people. I work a lot with creatives though because I'm a singer-songwriter creative myself. So. Right. Yeah. Well, do you want to be my life oh. coach? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hop on a discovery call. Absolutely. Yay. Okay. We'll we'll connect after this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> dream came true. Yeah. Dream came true. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. If you no. Know. No. Okay. You're totally fine. No. Okay. I'm totally fine. <laughs> well, we thank you for listening. I hope you have a good morning, a good night, a good drive, a good day, a good week. All the things. Yes, all the things. And we will see you next week. We will. We will. All right, Courtney, we just have to let you know that at the end of every episode, we do this really annoying thing where we go, bye. bye. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. No judgment. Yeah. All right. Bye. Join in if you want. One, yeah. two, three. Bye. bye. bye.